Podcast about Weird Al. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Wow, that was amazing. Yeah, that was totally awesome. We have our own theme and we have our own podcast. Can you believe it? So, I know. We're going to talk a little bit more about that theme in a little bit. But um, this is our debut episode, and we are so excited that you guys are listening. A huge thank you to everyone who supported us on, on our fundraising sites. Um, what Ethan and I want to do with this podcast is provide an entertaining supplement to your weekly Weird Al intake. So we're going to have great interviews with celebrity Weird Al fans lined up. We're going to be talking to people who worked with Al behind the scenes, and we have um, some of Al's most prominent fans we're going to be talking to um including have, ourselves including <laughs> ourselves we're, we're going to interview <laughs> ourselves we're going to have uh, uh we're going to have thought-provoking discussions which we're really looking forward to and we're going to have <laughs> most importantly we have lots of fun so really i mean nothing is off the table what we're going to be talking about if we think it's entertaining we're gonna we're gonna talk about it as long as it has to do with weird Al, of course yes of course <laughs> So I've known Ethan uh, probably a little bit over 10 years at this point, and this idea for doing a podcast is uh, a fairly recent one, but Ethan and I, um, we talk about Weird Al all the time. So doing a podcast was something that was like natural to us, and the more we looked in... (laughs) I just want to say... We talk about it all the time because, I, I mean, I know your wife is a, a huge fan, but I don't have many people, like, in my personal life who I can talk to about Al at the same level as I can talk to you about Al. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like, hey, we, we, we're talking about him anyway. Let's just get some mics, and I bet other people will find it interesting. I mean, yeah, our <laughs> conversations have been have been in depth, and we're gonna and we're gonna go we're gonna talk about this on a, on another episode. But we we were up in the up in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, texting each other for an hour about about Weird Al one time, right? So <laughs> one time. That, <laughs> one t- that I, yeah, at least one time so this is the kind of this this was so natural just that we have to share what our conversations and our discussions with everybody and we just have so much fun doing it and we're gonna have a lot of fun continuing doing it let me tell you a little about ethan all right yes so, tell him about me so besides being of course a big weird al fan ethan's also has done stand-up comedy that's right He's produced um, multiple monthly comedy shows in upstate New York. That's true. Uh, he was a previously hosted for about eight years, um, Alternative to Sleeping with Ethan Ullman, which is a stand-up comedy and interview show based out of Albany, New York. That's And also he's true. appeared on Howard Stern's show. I did. How did you know all this about me, Dave? <laughs> I tell you, I know a lot about you, Ethan. <laughs> well, I'm glad he just stuck with the good stuff. <laughs> Uh, well, so Dave, uh, we, we mentioned that we've known each other. I think it's really more like 12 or 13 years. Um, we met at a Turning Stone show. I think I was 16 years old. And um, I recognized you because, uh, you know, as any good Weird Al fan uh, growing up in the 90s did, is you checked Weird Al's website about 500 times a day. And right on the, like, links 
page um, was a link to your website, which you can go to. It's we've got it all on UHF weirdal.info. And it, it has all your concert reviews. It has all the pictures of your tattoos and it's got, you know, your collection listed. And I spent so many hours on that site uh, as a kid. So when I finally saw you in person, I was like, oh, you're Dave. I need to look at your limbs. And I checked out all your tattoos and I took pictures of them with my track phone or whatever I had at that point. And, and, uh, and then I, you know, I, I had no, I don't think podcasts were a thing back then. So uh, pretty great that we're, we were able to transition that into uh, this podcast. You know, I mentioned your, your collection. Uh, I don't know if anyone realizes this, but Dave has the largest private collection of Weird Al memorabilia in the world. He has more stuff in his collection than Al does. But Al's collection is better because Al has himself in the collection, which you, that's, that's the one thing. That's one thing I have not been able to figure out how to get yet. You but not... once I do, I will have Al in my collection. Uh, so we were talking about this recently, but I don't even know how many shows I've been to. It's, it's nowhere near the 177 that Dave has been to to date. And uh, at the end of this upcoming Strings Attached Tour, he's going to be over 200 shows going yeah, be, to. I don't know if it'll be over 200, <laughs> but it'll be pretty close to 200 shows. Oh, man. Uh, it, it's... But, yeah. That's crazy. Uh, and I and love we're going to have to find out how many <laughs> concerts you've been to. I know. We're thinking We're thinking Ethan is right, right around that 20, Magic 27 number. <sighs> yes. So... So we're gonna we're gonna sit down and we're gonna hash this out and we're gonna and if it is we're gonna make a such a big deal about Ethan hitting number twenty seven. If I if, if I if I'd not already hit twenty seven, I'm definitely hitting it at this next tour. So, uh, yeah, we got to figure that out. We got yeah, have a and party. we're and we're gonna be talking and, and and this tour we're gonna be doing a lot of shows together on this tour. That's true. Yeah, since we do so, live so. fairly close to each other, um, we're gonna be making it to a bunch. I Dave, I need to also mention. Um, you're probably best known for, at least as of late, as you're the guy who started the Weird Al Star Fund and got Al a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And not only did you start this fund uh, over a decade ago, uh, you you petitioned the Hollywood Hall of Fame, Walk of Fame people to get Al the star every year. And you raised the $40,000 to actually pay for the star. And then in the acceptance speech, Al pointed you out and made you dance. I danced on Hollywood Boulevard in front of 1,500 strangers and who knows how many people live on the internet. So many I made people. a fool of myself. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was great. I was, I was really standing was. right behind you, so I got a really good view of your dance. So... <laughs> Oh, we're and we're gonna talk a lot about that that star fund ceremony too, because because especially and and I don't know how many people know this, the contributors do, but you know, but we had an after party in the Viper Room. How cool is that? That is like if (laughs) like if someone were to ask me, can you name one famous club in in the Hollywood area? That's the only one I would have been able to think of is the Viper Room. And that is where we got to have the after party. So cool. We'll talk about that. And we're going to get way deeper into Dave and I, our histories of the, being Weird Al fans and our, our collecting and, and our uh, amassing of Weird Al-related knowledge um, over the episodes. So this is just merely scratching the surface um, right. of our fandoms. Right. I think we what we need to do is is there is a third person involved in our podcast. Yes. And I think we do need I think we do to be fair, 
we do, even though, you know, he, he, he does sometimes come late. And I mean, his excuse that one time where he was helping the, the elderly woman carry her groceries up three flights of stairs, you know, and so he's five minutes late to our, she's to our got rehearsal. two hands. We, we have two mics. We need help. I, We'll let it slip, but yeah. let me tell you a little bit. All right, so this guy, so he should have let intern. her slip. <laughs> we have an intern working for us, and and, and he's a. We're gonna tell you a little bit about him, but he's a. His name is Frank, right? He's got a a degree in communications, um, and he's done a lot of interning for, like Fortune four hundred companies and things like that. Um, he's he's really into to to fitness and that kind of stuff. But he basically, we hired him because, let's face it, we're lazy. We don't want to do anything. I'm not going to edit this together. I just want to <laughs> sit down. I don't want to push the button record. I just want to sit down and talk. And uh, yeah, we had to get Frank. So, right. So, so Frank is going to basically take care of all the stuff that you and I don't want to do. And, um, and also, Frank, if you email us, you're really emailing Frank. And he's going to forward the message to either one of us yeah. or respond to it. Um, so as so us, basically, yeah. he runs yeah. and he runs our, our social media pages, our website. Yeah, he's a decent guy. You yeah. know, he's worth having around just for what he does. <laughs> he's all right. I, yeah, I mean, contractually, we have to mention him, but really, I'd rather not talk about him. Um, but let's talk about since you brought it up. Let's yeah, the, talk about the social, social media. Yeah, sites. yeah, yeah. So. Um, in case you have forgotten already, our show is called Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al Podcast. Uh, so you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, all of those. Our username is slash 2,000-inch. Right. At, just remember, at 2,000, and that's the number 2,000 and the word inch. Yeah, it's just 2,000-I-N-C-H. And uh, Twitter slash that on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and our website is 2000inch.com. It doesn't get right. any easier. If you can't remember what our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram handle is, just go to our website, 2000inch.com, or email Frank. And his email address, frank at 2000inch.com. And he'll tell you where to go. Um, and let me tell you, yeah. yeah. He'll, 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 be, he'll be able to forward you to wherever <laughs> you want Hopefully, hopefully people are, are, maybe they're listening to this first podcast and they're thinking, hmm, what do I do after this? Well, you need to subscribe and listen to every other podcast we put out. So that's yeah, your really, first step. I mean, it, if you do like this podcast, then please, please subscribe because it really does mean a lot to us. And um, we have so much more uh, stupid stuff to talk about and we want you to hear all of it. One thing we want to do is is uh, we're gonna we're, we want to make this podcast as interactive as possible with our with all of our listeners. So uh, we're gonna be periodically reaching out to you guys, you know, for to to talk about things, you know, and, and we're gonna be asking you to send us, you know, your your feedback and send us ideas. Uh, we're gonna give you some some topics to discuss, and we're gonna you know bring that kind of stuff up. We might Another have some thing, contests. We'll have some contests, of course. We're going to make this, we're going to, we want to make this fun, as fun for everybody and including us and make it as difficult for Frank as possible. Right. So, <laughs> um, but also we want to know, uh, we want to, we want to hear from you guys too. I mean, if you are listening and you are someone who has worked with Al, you know, or you're a celebrity who's a Weird Al fan, 
or anything, we want to hear from you. We want to put you on this podcast. Maybe if you have a lame claim to fame related to Weird Al, we want exactly. To hear from you. <laughs> if you if you think if you have a lame claim to fame, then yes, please get in touch with us through one of our any of our social media, you know, or email Frank. Was your grandma's and, neighbor's cousin's dog walked by a guy who is the neighbor's grandma's cousin of Weird Al? Well, we need to know that. Yeah, and if and if you guys and if you want if you're a guest on the show or you're you you recommend a guest and we we book that guest through uh, some of your tips, then we will send you some Weird Al swag. We'll send you a special present. And uh, speaking of special stuff, if you do have like a rare or weird or, or unique Weird Al memorabilia piece, Dave and I are, are ultra collectors. So um, send it to send us a picture, send us some information, and uh, maybe we'll even appraise it and talk about it live on the podcast. Uh, I think that would be really fun because I I know Dave, you and I, we we can look at something and, and pretty much ballpark tell what it's worth as long as it's Weird Al related. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, true. And if we've don't, never don't, don't seen be sending it. us pictures of your of your uh, of your antique vases and yeah, your, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> this is not antique roadshow. This is Al Teak Memro show. <laughs> yeah, so and we want to see what we want to see what you guys have too, because we're going to be talking a lot about about you know collections, and we're going to start you know we're going to go cover everything from from a beginner collector through the hardcore, you know, collectors like Ethan and myself. And so. if you do send us a picture of something that uh, neither of us has, um, and you're willing to part with it, uh, Dave and I will uh, get in a fist fight live on the air for you. Uh, yes, to... but Dave, but Dave will, well, Dave will win that one. Cause he will, he will give you more money for it than Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Let's talk a little, let's go back and talk a little bit about our theme. I think we should play okay, our theme. Let's let's play the theme one more time. It's Dave and Ethan's 2000 inch Weird Al podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2000 inch Weird Al podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Dave and Ethan's 2000 inch Weird Al podcast. Wow! I cannot believe this. Wow! Okay, that is awesome, and it gets better. First of all, the best podcast theme song in the world. It gets better. The theme music may sound familiar to you, and the voice may sound familiar to you, because this podcast was written by somebody who is Grammy-nominated, Hey guys, it's it's Jim. Uh, Are you guys there? We're here. Oh my god! Jim Kimo West. Can Can you hear me? We can hear you. Yeah. yeah. How did oh, you get great, this yeah. number? Oh, well, uh, <laughs> you know, I was just randomly dialing numbers and uh, wow. you know, for some reason it, it just it just happened. <laughs> well, we we are thrilled to announce that Jim Kimo West recorded our theme song. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. I still I, it, it it doesn't seem real to me. No, it's such a, it's so amazing and thank you so much for that, Jim. That that is just it's 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 a truly one of my favorite moments in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's something I enjoy doing. You know, I've 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 worked as a composer for for years and you know, you have all kinds of different uh, projects with different, you know, different needs from different producers and so, you know, I kind of like uh, I'm sort of a chameleon in that way, so it was it was fun. It was easy. Of course, it's a it's a little bit of rock and roll, so you know that's that's totally in my style. What amazed me is is uh, when we were talking to you about it, we we had like an idea in our head of what it would sound like, and literally you sent us the first draft, and it was 100 percent perfect. 
<laughs> exactly from our head. I don't know how you did yeah. that. <laughs> Well, that's from years of working, like I say, as a composer. You know, you, you get these directions from producers, and you just have to think about it for a while before you start make, making any noise, you know, and, and just think about, you know, where they're coming from and what they like and, you know, try and sort of do the detective work behind the scenes before you start <laughs> making any noise, you know. So once I figured that out, it was, you know, you guys sent me some examples, and I was like, okay, you know, that shouldn't be too hard. Oh, yeah, you nailed it. it was, it's, it's awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> I've probably listened to it 500 times by now. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> well, I'm not really a singer, but, you know, I thought, well, it's got lyrics. I guess I better sing it. <laughs> <laughs> They're so good. Now, Jim, it, it's so exciting because uh, you recently were nominated for a Grammy for your new album, Moku Malohia, Peaceful Island. Did I say that right? Yeah, Moku Malohia, yeah. Wow, okay. That's amazing. I, I mean... Is this the first time you've been nominated for a Grammy? Yeah, it is. Uh, I was completely shocked. You know, I just, uh, you know, I just put it out there in the in the mix, and you know, didn't really do any advertising or anything like that. But uh, I was completely shocked. Um, I was the day the nominations came out. I wasn't even. I don't even think I even knew what day they were coming out. But I was having coffee one morning and. You know, looking, checking some, th- uh, I think I was reading the newspaper or something like that, or reading something. Anyway, I was I was having coffee, and then I noticed my phone across the room was, you know, the ringer was off, but it was just vibrating, and it was just going off like crazy for a while. And, I've, and I was like, wait a minute, what's going on? So maybe somebody's trying to reach me, you know? And so I picked my phone up, and it was just like completely blown up with messages of congratulations. <laughs> oh, I was, wow. I was pretty, pretty shocked. <laughs> That's incredible. Oh, uh, wow. Shocked in a good way. It was all. It was all good. It was like, uh oh, what do I do now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were we were really excited for you when we saw that. Yeah, it's nice. You know, it's um, I mean, you know, I don't know that a Grammy really means a lot. You know, I guess maybe it, it means that you're popular. <laughs> you know, I don't know if it necessarily means that, you know, anything. You know, artistically, but it's uh, it's nice to be recognized. And the nomination process, you know, the. The cool thing about that is that there's so many entries, you know, to be one of the five that's chosen is that's the the real honor there. And then, you know, once you get down to the five, it's kind of a popularity contest, I think, at that point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just to be just to be nominated, it, it's got to be an amazing honor. Yeah, it was. You know, you're, you're right. Yeah. You, you know, your your wife's work here, you know, all of a sudden now you're getting, you know, the recognition at such an incred- incredibly high level for it. It really was really, really cool. And, you know, there are a lot of cool parties and things to go to and you know gift bags and you know uh, red carpets and all that stuff you know it was, it was fun it was a really good time yeah we're hoping to try to say this too moku mahu Malu- maluhia right Ma- yes moku maluhia now that is not and we know this is not your first um hawaiian slacky album no it's uh, probably uh i think my eighth or ninth record i think wow <laughs> yeah i was gonna say you have yeah, you have at least eight or nine of them out there. What got you into slack key guitar? Well, um, you know, years ago, uh, not long after I met Al, I just um, happened to go to Hawaii. I was invited to go uh, to Maui by a friend, um, a friend actually who was on the tour with us as a, as a tech. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, I think it was after the uh, Dare to be Stupid tour in 1985, way back. Um Anyway, I was invited to go to, to uh, a little town called Hana, Maui, and um, the folks we were staying with had a lot of Hawaiian music records, you know, vinyl 
and cassettes back then. And, uh, you know, they had a lot of these slot key records, and uh, I just, you know, really liked that sound. I just sort of fell in love with that sound, and, you know, I'd make tapes and listen to them in the car and um, got pretty familiar with that genre, but I didn't really, uh, you know, I really didn't sit down and decide I was going to learn how to play it. I just liked to listen to it. But, you know, after listening to it for, you know, a number of years, five or six years, uh, it just started coming out in my uh, writing. You know, I started writing tunes and writing all these slack key tunes uh i'd record them um mostly just so i wouldn't forget them and then somebody at one point said hey you know you got 12 songs you should just put out a cd and <laughs> i hadn't uh, really even considered that at all i mean but uh i thought well shoot why not you know i've got 12 songs and uh, i had somebody do the artwork and that became my first cd which was called coconut hat Oh, Way yes. back and uh, probably came out in like 1999 or something. Wow. So it really was a long time since you started getting into the music before you really put anything out. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I used to just sort of enjoy it, you know, but but I think it just I think I just absorbed the whole feeling of, of, of slack key just by osmosis over the years. You know, I'd listened to it so much and I really, you know, I just uh, felt a real connection to that sound, you know, and, and of course, you know, I kind of add my own twists to it because I, you know, I have a whole other, you know, uh, sum of, of musical influences. So when you can write something and compose, you know, you, you know, I wasn't specifically trying to write super traditional Hawaiian music. I, mm -hmm. you know, I add my own, add my own influences in there. So, you know, my stuff comes out kind of, you know, kind of different, but but you know that's what sets it apart. I think. Yeah, I, I would I would think that fans of slack key music would appreciate an outside influence on it because they, you know, you're a quote unquote outsider to Hawaii. You grew up in Canada, mm -hmm. um, so I, is there is there a, a like a branch of Canadian slack key that you're aware <laughs> of? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I I have never met another Canadian slack key player in my life, but there's probably a few up there now. But but you know the. the, the the actual pool of slack key players who do it professionally, you know, put records out regularly and tours, you know, even, you know, I mean, including Hawaii is just a very small number of people, you know, it's probably like 20, you know, or wow. 25 slack key players that, that work professionally, uh, you know, within, in any capacity or, you know, certainly probably no more than 30, but, um, so it's a small family, you know, but that's uh, great. No. But it's nice, nice to be part of it and accepted, you know, accepted by, you know, the Hawaiians, you know, you know, early on, uh, I was completely accepted when I started playing at the festivals. And it was a really nice feeling, you know, to, to you know, feel included. And I'm sure slack key is not the simplest thing to learn. I, I know there's like different tunings and there's a different style of play. Um, I mean, how long did it take before you felt really comfortable playing it? Well, you know, I've been play I've been playing guitar since I was 12, so I wasn't um, you know, I was pretty familiar with finger picking first of all, which is the the way you play slack key. It's a finger picking, finger style sound. And I'd also played around with open tunings before as well, so I wasn't any stranger to it. But it really it's it was really more about getting the feel and the you know, communicating that that sort of lilting flow, you know. And it has a lot to do with the uh you know, the, you're playing one guitar, but you're playing this bass line this, with this kind of alternating bass, and you're playing the melody and the chords all at the same time. You know, so to you know to get that to all work together as one, you know, one machine, 
took a little little practice but um you know after a while it starts feeling very natural and uh and it's uh you know pretty simple after that well so so you're i mean you besides the slack key you're you're kind of a jack of all trades you, you kind of especially with al but even even kind of you know doing um, some producing of other uh, albums work on tv shows there, there's one that i want to particularly ask you about because it's pretty timely as we're recording this um unfortunately uh the lead singer of Prodigy, Keith Flint, has passed away. I and, just saw um, that, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and and you had and there's like it's not really a parody; it's more like kind of like a, a an adaptation of of, of of his a fire starter called Lousy Haircut. And, and right. I understand you were kind of involved <laughs> with that for the the Weird Al show. Yeah, I um I produced the track for that. I I did that in my studio, um, and then sent it to Al, and then he overdubbed the vocal. Um, but I did the whole track for that, and. It was um, it was fun, you know. It was basically do something. It wasn't a direct parody, like you said. It was right. a uh, um, more of a sort of a sound alike, you know. So uh, musical pastiche. So we had, I did something, you know, in the same vibe um, of it. It was a, it was a fun track to do, and uh, of course, like I said, Al added his vocal, and and that was it. Of course, we were you know working on the Weird Al show, so I was doing some other music for that show as well, and we. Um, we're working at a very fast pace, so everything had to be done pretty quickly, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you kind of what other what other pieces had, had did you work on with in the Weird Al show that you can remember? Um, let's see, you know, um, my my friend Will Anderson was doing all the background um, writing because um, I we were on tour and I didn't really have, um, I couldn't be around, you know, to to take care of that. Uh, you know, on a day-to-day basis because we were on tour. But before the tour started, I did a, a lot of um, interstitial music, you know, just a number of different cues for different things, uh, including the, um, um, uh, you know, the fire starter uh, knockoff, uh, a bad haircut. And then um, mm-hmm. I did, uh, you know, a few other things. There was like a, a sort of a, a trailer, you know, it's called 60% Chance of Rain, and there was, uh, you know, a bunch of different <laughs> yes. uh, funny bits. So I, I did some of those cues for the, for the show, at least, you know, you know, sort of simulate, uh, you know, kind of commercials and right. things like that, you know. Right. So I did a bunch of that stuff um, before the tour started. So those were all kind of done. And then once we hit the road, the other guy took over to do the, you know, the regular background score. That's fantastic. Now, when it came to UHF, did you, aside from the Al songs, did you do any of that, um, any of those background music or anything like that? Um, no, I, 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 I believe I play guitar on some stuff. Um, there was a, a composer who did that score, but um, of course there is the video in there, the Money for Nothing, um, Beverly Hillbillies yep. video in there, of course, I, um, you know, which... I originally played on, but then they had a chance to get Mark Knopfler to to, to play on it, so they, they, you know, of course went with that. But I remember learning it, and originally I think my part went down first on tape, and then they they said, "Hey, Mark Mark Knopfler said he'll play on it," so <laughs> so Mark Mark Knopfler ended up be playing the part on that. So I'm not really in the UHF soundtrack very much. I mean, a little there's some guitar parts I think I played for the composer here and there, but not much. Is there exists a version of that song where there's no Mark and it's just Jim? I would love to hear that. Jeez, I, I certainly don't have it. If um, I don't have that, um, but um, I wish I did. Actually, now. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me know if you get it. I'd love to yeah, hear it. Yeah, actually, it, it was. Um, I, I think I remember when, when I um, recorded my part. I I got it really exactly like the original. You know, as much as I could. Um, and then when Mark did it, you know, he is 
he had changed it up a little bit. You know, it was still fantastic, you know. But I noticed that, you know, he had kind of strayed away from the actual original part a little bit here and there. There was some, you know, he changed it up a little bit. So his part wasn't exactly like the original record. But So you did a better job of playing his guitar than he did is well, really what know. we're saying. Mark is a terrific guitar player and, and uh, he knows what he's doing, that's for sure. <laughs> Well, he's not my favorite guitar player, so <laughs> screw Mark. <laughs> and he did not write our theme song either. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you also, I think you also worked on uh, the film Al's Brain, too, right? Yeah, I did the music for that. Um, of course, that was a very short film. Um, it was yeah. very, very short uh, 3D film, but it was fun. It was all mostly kind of an orchestral type of uh, music, and... Um, was done pretty quickly but it was yeah that was fun and it was fun to go see it in the 3d um it premiered at the orange county fair they had a, a kind of a room built just for the for that and um it was cool to you know be in there while it was playing it was quite a thrill to hear it hear it going on <laughs> yeah that was a fun movie yeah, yeah definitely um and you brought up since you brought it up the the orchestra orchestral music uh, coming up, this next tour, you you guys are out performing for Weird Al with an entire orchestra. The Strings yeah. Attached Tour. Yeah. That's going to be crazy. And um, I just realized that one of the tunes we'll be doing is Weasel Stomping Day, which is oh, something wow. that um, on the on the original <laughs> record, I, I did all those, the or I did the arrangement for that, the orchestral arrangement. Of course, I played it all on um, synths, you know, and samplers oh, wow. and stuff. But um, <laughs> it'll be cool because it'll be my parts, but the orchestra will be, will be playing it this time, you know. Oh, that's cool. I get to, cool. get to hear, it, hear it for real. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to um, ask you about the strings attached to her. I mean, uh, aside from Weasel Stomping Deer, is, is there anything that you're really looking forward to hearing with the full orchestra that maybe you didn't do at the bowl? Um, just new things that you're... Yeah, um, you know, I haven't really perused the set list very much. Um, I know there's a lot of stuff that we did at the bowl. I'm sure that will be in there. Um, I'm trying to think of what else is new. I can't really pin it down right now. I'd have to sort of look at it and see, you know. Now, but, when it um, comes when it comes to your part, um, are you playing the songs differently to to work with the orchestra, or is it essentially the same? You're playing the generally, same thing with um, or without. No, generally, generally we're not changing our parts. We're okay. basically um, doing what we do, and then the orchestra will is 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 arranged so that it can just kind of adds to what we're doing, you know. Um, uh, but then again, on something like Weasel Stomping Day, you know, maybe uh, you know that might uh, be a little different because I didn't. There was no guitar on that. So. Okay. Okay. Cool. I'm, who knows? I may be wearing a weasel suit for that one. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> so you will be back. Or, or, do you know, are there going to be costumes again? I know Bermuda has said he's not a huge fan of wearing costumes sometimes. I believe there will be some. Um, I, don't, cool. I don't really know the whole story, but um, <laughs> I think there will be some. Um, you know, I'm sure I'll be... Wearing the you know the Jedi suit, yeah, probably, uh, you know. <laughs> you've got. To. I think that's that's got to be got to be in there, you know. But um, I'm not really not really sure what else. <laughs> Hopefully not the weasel costume. You, know? <laughs> you better write a guitar part for that song. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, I I, uh, I got to talk about the um, Vanity Tour. One of the most amazing shows I've ever seen um, it were those Vanity shows. Um, what was your experience like? It was, um, well, it was really, it was very, very different. Of course, you know, as it would be from, from an audience perspective, um, um, you know, no uh, costumes, no backing video or backing tracks or anything it was just the band playing live and it was it was very refreshing you know in a lot of ways to to do that and um uh you know and then we had the chance to kind of banter and we didn't you know it wasn't like a completely scripted show like normally things right. are but uh so it was very refreshing although it was a lot of work because we started off learning about 60 songs you know to you know, because the set was going to be different every night, so we right. we learned about sixty songs, and then, as part of the encore, as you know, we would do a, a straight cover, and there were seventy seven shows, so we learned seventy seven <laughs> more songs. So, so I was adding it up, and it was like I think we learned one hundred and thirty seven songs. Oh my god! <laughs> but it, um, you know, it was good for your brain, I guess. You know, <laughs> were there songs that you guys learned that you, that didn't end up getting played? Any covers or originals? There was one I can't remember now. Um, there was something. Um, I think we learned "Trigger Happy," but I think you know, due to the situation oh, you know, yeah. with uh, you know, uh, you know, Parkland had just happened, and it was like that uh, makes sense. It might be a little, little bit too edgy, you know. Although mm-hmm. I, lo- I've always loved that song. And it is great. It's a, and it's a great, yeah. you know, great statement, you know. But mm-hmm. um, that might have been the only one we didn't do. Now, with the cover songs that you did, were there any of them that you particularly were looking forward to or really enjoyed doing? Well, um, you know, there were some, there were a lot of tunes that that uh, that I had probably learned when I was, you know, 17 or something. So, of course, back then, I, you know, I didn't have as good an ear as I have now. So it was kind of fun to um, go back and really learn them right, you know, and learn yeah. the parts properly, you know. Um Anything from you know Jimi Hendrix to James Taylor, you know I I think I'd I'd played a lot of those tunes before, but I'd never really you know really learned them like I would if we were doing a a parody recording of them or something you know. So I tried to to learn the parts properly and and that was kind of fun to go back over some of these old tunes that, that you know that you knew but you really didn't really hadn't learned them 100% perfectly. And then um, there were a lot of tunes I'd never, uh, a lot of tunes I'd never even heard before. So. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah there it was quite, such quite a, a few a that mix. it was like, what? I've never heard this one, you know. <laughs> so it was, it was fun. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I can imagine it being fun on stage, and it was just that much fun in the audience. It was so cool. I think I saw yeah. ten, 10 shows, and everyone was different, and everyone was just such a fun experience. Yeah, it was. It was nice, uh, nice to to have that looseness and, um, you know, and that the change different set every night. It was, uh, it was pretty cool, you know, pretty, 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 uh, very. It keeps things really interesting as opposed to a show where it's completely the same every night, you know. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about a really cool piece I have in my collection. It is the uh, effects processing unit you used when recording "Smells Like Nirvana." Can you tell us oh, yeah. anything about that? I, it's really one of my favorite things. <laughs> well, you know, um, when we when it came time to record that song, um, you know, the the original uh, 
smells like teen spirits you know sound that kurt had was really a real edgy sound and i thought you know i was i didn't really have any amps that really you know got that sound i thought i need some kind of processor but i i i had recently got that that box and it was one of those first all-in-one kind of guitar processor boxes that came out you know and it had some real gnarly you know metal almost metal type sounds and um so i uh I just, you know, pulled one of those up and started kind of tweaking it until it sounded kind of like the record. And you know, I don't know if it really sounded much like the record, but it was, you know, it would it was something, a sound that I didn't have before. So I mm-hmm. used it, and uh, I think I used it, I think I, t- I, 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 think I used uh, the preamp. It was mostly the preamp sound, but I think I ran the output of it into a, a Marshall head, Marshall amp set kind of clean. So, you know, it was just give it a little bit more of a tuby sound, but... I think that's what I did, but it was essentially most of the tone was coming from the, the processor. And uh, cool. you mentioned you also used that um, in the film Lady Dragon, and that is yes, the only piece of my Lady Dragon memorabilia collection. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand that. Yeah. Well, you know, um, it's true. That's right. I um, I did that score in Hong Kong, um, and I really? packed up a yeah, um, I, I basically packed up all these big road cases full of gear and my computer and my, you know, guitar and keyboard and all this stuff and shipped it to Hong Kong. And I lived in Hong Kong for six weeks while I did that score. That's and, incredible. Um, and that's, that, that's what I used for all the guitar um, was that, that Zoom box. And all the guitar <laughs> on, that, on that film is done to that. It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Uh, if, if we're going to let, if Ethan's going to brag about the stuff in his collection, then I'm going to brag <laughs> about something in my collection, too. Now, now, I don't know if you remember, but I, I actually have in my collection the banjo that you used probably oh. until about 1994, 1996 yep. on, yeah. on, on tour and most of, of the albums. And it's definitely one of my most prized possessions. Yeah, that was the banjo that, that I used on, um, you know, the recordings early recordings. I think there were a couple of times when they had somebody else play the banjo, but anytime I played the banjo that on the recordings, that was it. And then we use it, um, of course on the tours and on TV shows. And, and I believe it was actually, it was actually used when we played, we played a polka medley once on the, the original tonight show with Johnny Carson. Wow. Oh, that yeah. is cool. And that was this, then I used that banjo. And, um, wow, that's great. <laughs> it was a, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't have a banjo, and, and you know, they wanted me to play banjo on the polka, and then they said, well, we'll get you a banjo, and so they got that banjo, and it was, you know, obviously not a very expensive banjo, but you know, it worked, and you know, more or less, it was kind of more of a prop than it was an instrument, you know, but <laughs> but uh, it served the purpose, you know, for a while, but then eventually it was like, oh, you know, I guess. I got to get a real instrument, you know, and so, uh, you know, once I got something better then that one, uh, wasn't used anymore. It's incredible. <laughs> you know, I, I gotta ask, so for, for the Jim West collectors out there, like Dave and I, is there like an obscure CD or, or a soundtrack or, or something that you're maybe played on that, you know, you're not listed in the credits or something, something out there for us collectors to go. Hunting oh, for. jeez, God! There's a lot of stuff I've played on that I'm not in the credits. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> a lot of stuff, especially you know, cartoon shows and things like that. Um, there's there is an album that I did um, 
I was thinking of re-releasing it. It was a, a commission that I did for this uh, organization in, in Hawaii, and it was called Nurturing the Garden. And um, so that one was never out on the market, per se, like for sale, you know. And mm-hmm. and um, I think the only place they sold it was in their gift shop on, in Hawaii. But, oh, wow. But it's... Um, I think there were five or six pieces on there, and then they added in some some stuff from Coconut Hat too to to fill it out. But it was um, it's 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 got some interesting music, and I'm I've, I've been thinking about re-releasing it, um, you know, just as a sort of a bargain basement <laughs> CD, you know, just because there are some some interesting pieces on there, and um, and one is kind of sort of slack key and orchestral, and um, it's it's nice. It's a little different, you know, and. Um, so I, I, I may re-release that um, at some point. You know. Well, now I know what I need to go searching eBay for. See if I can. Yeah, nah. <laughs> see if I can beat Dave to to if there's any on eBay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, there's um, but there are a lot of other things I've played on. You know, um, uh, over the years, TV shows and things where I was, you know, uncredited. I was more or less you know, writing for another composer. So mm-hmm. a lot of things out there, um, probably, you know, on DVD and geez, I can't even think there's probably got to be tons of stuff out there, but um, I, I saw it in your bio, um, and I couldn't find anything online about it. you worked something with Marvel. I'd love to hear about that. Well, that was a long time ago. Um, I did, um, the music and, and again, this was for another composer, but, um, it was uh, music for, um, Iron Man, the original Iron Man Saturday morning show. Cool. Animated show. So I did that that series. And, um, you know, I don't know if that's, you know, if that's, it, it might be out there on YouTube, but it was the old, you know, before they had the Iron Man, the, the movie and all that. Yeah. Long before that, it was Iron Man, um, the Saturday morning cartoon show. And, you know, I did all the music for that. And um, it was, that was fun. That was a good, fun project. And more recently, I've, uh, you know, not real recently, but, you know, uh, starting a number of years ago, I did quite some music for My Little Pony, which is uh, fun. You know, uh, it was sort of the reboot of My Little yeah. Pony. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I remember I did this this one piece. I just knocked it out in a few hours. It was like a heroic kind of rock montage, you know, and. And it was all just lead guitar, you know, this wailing mm-hmm. lead guitar, kind of melodic rock, <laughs> you know, sort of heroic stuff, you know. It was just another cue. And then, I, you know, months, you know, maybe like a year later, I discovered that, you know, that people were using it on YouTube and they were like, guys had, had sat there and learned every note of the solo <laughs> and playing along with it. And <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's out there. I think I think it's flutter Fluttershy training sequence. Okay, it's like one of those you know, just like a um, martial arts movie where you know somebody gets you know wronged and they're gonna they're gonna go into this training session. They're gonna get all beefed up and they're gonna go kick some butt. You know, <laughs> so it's, it's that kind of music, you know, heroic. It, uh, I'm rock, sure influenced you know. by Lady Dragon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Because that Lady Dragon had this. The same sequence, sim- similar sequence in there. <laughs> but anyway, um, but yeah, there's a lot, of, lots, lots of stuff out there. I've played on so many things over the years, and 
Yeah, and you've kind of done some some tribute albums too, uh, for like the Eagles and Sublime. Right. As well, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Those were um, for a company called CMH Records, and they have a um, a series they call uh, Pickin' On they, that they've got. They were real famous for. They were basically like bluegrass versions of of anything from Metallica wow. to you know the Grateful Dead to Beatles to whatever anything you can think of and they're quite quite well produced records they had an idea to do some hawaiian tribute records and um so they commissioned me to do i think the first one was the sublime one which was interesting and it's uh, pretty pretty fun actually and then then um the next year they asked me to do one for the eagles and you know they were just basically it was basically like a job you know i was hired to produce it and record it and I think on the Sublime one, I had a, a few extra musicians that came in for a few parts, so it was mostly me. And then on the Eagles one, I just played everything on that one. That was um, that was all me. But you know, they were it was just a job, but it was fun. And I, you know, that the tracks end up, you know, when I listen back to them, it's like you know, yeah, this sounds pretty, you know, pretty um, tight and you know, well produced, well recorded. It sounds, you know, pretty good. And I've got a, I get a lot of. I, I, you know, I actually buy those records from CMH, you know, like at a wholesale price, and I often sell them at my gigs, you know, so, mm. so I, I always sell them. <laughs> I <laughs> always great. sell. We, we talked about your slack key. We've talked about, you know, mimicking so many different styles of music. Is there a type of music that you haven't touched that you wish you would try or anything like that? Gee, um, you know, as, as a composer, I mean, I've gone all the way from like, you know, speed metal to, you know, Central American uh, marimba music <laughs> to, uh, you know, I mean, every anything you can think of, I mean, I've kind of, kind of done, you know, I've, um, I haven't done a lot of jazz and a lot of classical, but oftentimes there's not a lot of call for that in the composing world, you mm -hmm. know, um, at least for, you know, the stuff I've been offered, but, uh, I don't know, you know, I mean, I've got a number of ideas for my own projects that are sort of sounds that, you know, that I don't, don't think have been put out there yet, but they're kind of, you know, hybrid things. But um, I've got, a, you know, a few different projects sort of that are uh, in the thinking stage right now. <laughs> Speaking for Dave and myself, we're very much looking forward to... Um, Everything that is upcoming, the the strings attached to her, uh, any new music, hopefully some nurturing the garden to come out in the future. Yeah, um, such a great thank you so much for for joining us for the podcast for writing an amazing, incredible, the best ever theme song. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you guys liked it. I was surprised that you know liked it first right off the bat, but. But I liked it. I, you know, I played it a few times, and I thought, you know, I, this is good. I like this, you know. And uh, um, so I was really stoked that you guys dug it, and uh, and thanks for giving me the the input, you know, the right input. Of course. Yeah. What are the odds that um, Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast theme song will be on the strings attached to her? <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. You never know. <laughs> No, that was fun. We had a lot. That was a lot. I had a good time doing that. So thank you. Thank you, Jim. Yeah, All right, you. you guys. Well, have a good evening. Thanks to everybody listening. And um, aloha. Well, thank you to Jim Kimo West for being our first guest and for that amazing theme song. Yes. 
Wow. So you can you can visit Jim at jimkemowest.com. Twitter, he is at westernmost. And on Instagram, he is jimkemowest. And facebook.com slash slackhappy if you want to follow him there. Uh, and what's really cool, I know, Dave, you've got one of these. I've got one of these. Uh, Jim's got this really cool deal right now. You can get all nine of his CDs in MP3, um, full fidelity CD files, plus the album artwork. And it all comes on an autographed bamboo USB drive. Uh, it's the portable music collection, and it's only 40 bucks with free shipping, and it is really freaking cool. Um, so you can get those on jimkemowest.com. Yeah, that's an amazing deal just to get Jim's entire catalog it just on one spot. You know, it's it's I can see myself using that all the time. It, yeah, and it's just like if you're if you have a Weird Al collection, you you need this. It's, oh, it's a must. It's, it's a, a must, must for every Weird Al collection. For absolutely. any Weird Al collection, yeah. Big thank you to all of our listeners and a big uh, thank you to everyone who helped uh, contribute on our Indiegogo. We really appreciate it. Thank you. If you really enjoy this podcast, please subscribe. We love when we have new subscribers. <laughs> love it. And we have a very exciting episode coming up next week for episode two inch. Dave, you want to tell us? Oh, this is this is exciting because we actually have not one but two guests, and both of them have won Grammys. That's right. Right. And they won Grammys for their work on Squeezebox with Weird Al. And it is the two women who basically designed Squeezebox, uh, Annie Stoll and Megan Foley, and they give an amazing interview and they tell us all about their about their experience at the Grammy Awards and you you definitely want to tune in and listen to this. And get ready for the episode by checking out their acceptance speech on YouTube. It's Al, it's them, it's awesome. So check that out, get ready, and we'll see you next week. And that was David Ethan's 2008 Weird Al Podcast, episode 20. <laughs> Hopefully not the weasel costume.